welcome back to Case of the Sunday Scaries. I <clears throat> have a throat monster. <laughs> and I'm <clears throat> Annie. <laughs> I felt that one from over here. Oh, God, that came up through my esophagus. <laughs> We're talking about Halloween and it uh, something just resurrected out of me. So. <laughs> well, you know what? It's Halloween. We're leaving that in. I'm Elise. And I'm Annie. Welcome back to Sunday Scaries and to our throat monsters. But we started off spooky season. I hope you guys enjoyed last episode. But Annie is already back with another one because this girl just can't stop. Let's talk about first um, two big movies. Well, one, I guess, is a show. Dahmer and Hocus Pocus 2. I have positive things to say about one and negative things to say about the other let's start with Dahmer I think that's the one we were both a little bit triggered by I don't know if triggered is the right word for me I first of all probably not the best show to watch when my anxiety was through the roof in the middle of a hurricane but I had downloaded it I had planned on watching it and then I started seeing social media stuff pop up about it and I was disgusted now we know that every serial killer has their little fan base and like Mm -hmm. please girls if that is your cup of tea get therapy don't get a serial killer let's put that on a t-shirt but i can separate his appearance and the actor if they're just talking about the actor that's fine but jeffrey dahmer sure there was people that were attracted to him okay but to make like thirst traps for jeffrey dahmer agree and, and feel comfortable posting that was upsetting now i can't talk about the show that much because I actually just turned it off. It was a little too much for me. And then I saw a lot of the families coming forward and saying that they were really upset by it. It's always such a sensitive topic. I mean, I know we're sitting here on a true crime podcast, but we always have our goal in the back of the head or the back of our mind is to keep the victims at the forefront, talk respectfully of them. We don't glamorize any any of the killers. And I feel like Dahmer kind of did that. And again, I'm kind of in a weird position because I haven't watched it. I will say the actor who did it, from what I saw, incredible. Like I can He's praise, an incredible actor. Yeah. yeah, I can praise the people that were in it. I hope – I talked to my roommate Blake about it because he ended up watching it. He said that they do share a lot about the victims' stories before and about their family stories after, and I hope that is the case. I just don't know if it was too soon. For this type of movie. I was really similar with you. I think I stopped after like episode two or three. It was just to me, it like made my stomach hurt. I was like, oh, I can't do this. Yeah, I don't know if I'll go back to it. But what I will go back to is Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus 2, which I, truth be told, have always been terrified of Hocus Pocus, the first one. I think I watched it like way too young as a kid. Right. And the thought of witches that can smell children and then eat them grossed me out. I was Fair. ready for Hocus Pocus 2. I was like, let's do it. I thought they did a really good job. It was not as good as Hocus Pocus 1, in my opinion. It never, but, I mean, nothing is. But I was kind of amazed at how great all the actresses looked. Like, they looked the same. Well, Annie, that's something called Botox and plastic <laughs> surgery. <laughs> But I was like, damn, okay, you guys, you're aged very nicely. <laughs> I have not watched it yet. But I'm going to. I have a different experience with Hocus Pocus. I wasn't allowed to watch anything like that as a kid. I got to experience it for the first time as like a young adult. I'm very excited to watch it and have popcorn. I think that's I'm going to save that one just because it's it's not a feel good because the storyline is terrible. Mm-hmm, but it, mm-hmm. it is in certain ways. There's a nostalgia of it. Yeah. I'm going to save that one, I think, for Halloween. And if I'm handing out candy at my new house by then, I'll have that going in the background. I love that. 
I personally love the month of October. I mean, I love like mid-September to October because I always jump the gun when it comes to putting up Halloween decor. And this year was no different, of course. I was putting out my pumpkin. I actually counted before this episode. Guess how many pumpkins I have on my front porch? Lucky 13. 17. Oh, I oh. should have done 13. That would have been so much more on brand. Put, put four of them in the house somewhere. Yeah, I'm going to hide them around like underneath Derek's pillow and like <laughs> in his closet. He'll just be like, what are you doing, woman? No, I think we've already loaded your husband with spooky <laughs> stuff because I know you practice your episodes, or at least you did at the beginning of this podcast. I still do. Oh, poor Derek. <laughs> <laughs> he is probably sick of hearing about anything spooky ooky. So don't hide it under his pillow, but maybe the rest of the house is okay. Well, he's also <laughs> sick of me asking him to decorate because this year I crafted these little ghosts made out of tomato cages. I don't know if you've seen on TikTok, but it's like you take these tomato cages you put a styrofoam ball on them and you put a sheet over them. Oh, cute. And I was like, Derek, we have we have things to do. And he's like, no one else in our neighborhood has anything on the front porch. And I was like, we got to be first. He's like, it's September 15th. I'm like, yeah, I know. We're late this year. <laughs> I am the exact same way. I'm early with all holidays, though. So I don't care so much about like spring holidays, like Easter and stuff I don't really decorate for. Also, pastels just don't work with my skin tone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but- <laughs> Yeah, I start as soon as the air gets a little crisp. The minute you can open your windows at night, I don't care what the date is, it's time to go. It's Halloween time. 100%. And then the next day is Christmas. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. no in between. But as I was sitting there putting all this stuff together, I started wondering, like, whose idea was it to put pumpkins on our front porch? And whose idea was it to dress up ghosts and goblins and have full moons associated with Halloween? So that's what this episode's about. All of the traditions of Halloween, some fun, some spooky. A lot of them are kind of just theories about where, you know, Halloween started from, because honestly, it's celebrated all over the world. So everyone kind of has their own claim to fame. And there are different interpretations of it, I'm sure. 100%. The first thing I want to start with is the origin of Halloween. Historians have a lot of theories about Halloween's origins. One of the most common theories is that 2,500 years ago, a Celtic festival called Samhain started in Ireland. This is a pagan religious festival originating from an ancient Celtic spiritual tradition. Today, Samhain is usually celebrated from October 31st to November 1st to welcome the harvest and usher in the dark half of the year. I love referring to October as the dark half of the year. Me too. So That's fun. what we should name this episode. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Celebrants of Samhain believe that the barriers between the physical world and the spirit world break down during this festival, allowing more interaction between humans and demons of the underworld. They also believe that the dead return to Earth during this festival. There's a lot of different cultures and religions that do believe during this time period the dead can kind of come back. I mean, think about Day of the Dead. Right. So it's like the barrier is put down between the earthly world and spiritual world. Am I understanding that correctly? Exactly. And because it happens around the time of the last harvest, that's kind of why October 31st is a relevant date. Because the Celts believed that the barrier between the worlds was breachable during Salmon, they prepared offerings that were left outside their homes in the villages. It was expected that ancestors, good or bad, might cross over during this time as well, and Celts would dress as animals and monsters so that fairies were not tempted to kidnap them. Aren't fairies like cute little pixie Tinkerbell? That's what you think, but actually it's the complete opposite. 
fairies come from the European folklore and are believed to be very evil because they play cruel tricks on people. And they're actually the complete opposite of like what we see in Disney Channel now. Fairies are not good. Tinkerbell lied to me. She did. Disney <laughs> lied to us about a lot of things. If you know, yeah, you know. That's true. <laughs> Some other monsters associated with mythology of Halloween and surrounding the specific festival include a shape-shifting creature from Ireland called a puka that receives harvest offerings from the field. This creature can bring good or bad luck, so you always want to be on its good side and give the best offerings during this period of time. The Lady Gwen is another one. She is a headless woman dressed in white who chases night wanderers and was accompanied by a black pig. What? Scary. Wait, what is her name? Lady Gwen. So Gwen is just walking around with her potbelly pig without her head. That is a terrifying mm-hmm. image. And then with this puka, so they could do offerings. It almost sounds like what we do kind of like for Santa Claus. Kids always put out snacks and things like Milk that and or cookies, cookies mm-hmm. to get on Santa's good side. Yeah. We'll post pictures, but the puka's a really terrifying looking creature. It's like a little black creature with fur, like these really huge ears. He just looks spooky and like totally on theme with Halloween. I think I was thinking of like a puma, the you know, wildcat. Think no. that, but like scary with big old ears. Oh, <laughs> Okay. All right. So make your harvest things or Gwen and the puka and the pig are coming Mm -hmm. for you. Got it. And when you think of immigrants coming to America, specifically Irish immigrants, they brought a lot of their culture and traditions with them, one of them being kind of this spooky holiday. Another theory about Halloween, which means All Hallows Eve, is that it became relevant because it's the day before two very important Christian holidays. I know one of them. I said holidays, I meant holy days. Yes, All Saints is one of them, which is on November 1st. And this is a day to honor all hallowed or holy people. And the other one on November 2nd, do you know what it is? November 2nd? Mm Mm-hmm. All Souls Day. Oh. Which is a day to remember all the souls who have died. I grew up Catholic, I still am, but we would go to church on those days and kind of honor the ones who have passed. But it was always right after Halloween. It's like all my candy at home. I'm like, I gotta get home. (laughs) <laughs> so let me understand, because I, I was brought up in the Christian faith, but not mm-hmm. Catholic. All Saints Day it honors the holy people. Okay, so like actual saints yes. or like Mary, yes. all those people. But then like maybe your ancestors that weren't widely known who were great people, you celebrate the next day? On All Souls Day, correct. Got it. Okay. So regardless of what exactly started Halloween, it's a very popular holiday, of course, And regardless of your age, I mean, I still love Halloween. I know you do too, Elise. But a lot of the traditions can be based back to one of these theories, mostly being the Samhain Festival. Like, I'll go over that within the next couple of little traditions. But a lot of it traces back to that Celtic holiday. That's so interesting because we're so, we see a lot of the Day of the Dead and stuff a lot around Mm -hmm. Halloween. So I just assumed that it was kind of like from a Latin pagan festival. Yeah, I did too. But no, Celtic and back in good old Ireland. My redheads. (laughs) (laughs) So when I first think of Halloween, I always think of pumpkins. Then I quickly think of squirrels because I always have this war with squirrels, like who always eat them off my porch. And we have this like month long battle over who's going to be the victor. And I always lose. (laughs) Annie, have you ever seen, I'll have to send it to you. There was this guy that used to do, and you guys, I'm going to make Annie post this video because it is so perfect for fall and it's this guy that used to do something on buzzfeed called wine about it wednesdays Hmm. and he would 
proceed to guzzle a whole bottle of wine, not safe, not healthy, and then complain about a certain topic. And he complains about fall. And he has this whole skit about fall squirrels that you have to hear. He's like, <laughs> would a spring squirrel do this? Would a summer squirrel <laughs> steal my pastries? <laughs> Hey, that's amazing. <laughs> and I think that this is – it just reminded me of you that now he's in a pastry fight and you're in a pumpkin fight with your squirrels. I need to see this video. Yeah, you have to send it to me. But the pumpkin does have kind of a fun legend behind it. One legend about pumpkin carving says that there was once a man named Stingy Jack who repeatedly trapped the devil and only let him go on the condition that Jack would never go to hell. When Jack died, he learned that heaven did not want his soul either, so he was forced to wander the earth as a ghost for eternity. The devil gave Jack a burning lump of coal and a carved-out turnip to light his way. Locals eventually began carving scary faces into their own turnips to frighten away the evil spirits. Now, I know you're thinking, turnips? Whoa, 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 we were on pumpkins. But it was actually turnips that used to be carved back in the day, not pumpkins. Well, turnips are not that big. So no. I imagine there was a lot of cut fingers. <laughs> Is probably. that why they went to pumpkins? <laughs> and squirrels probably always won with turnip war because like, they could pick them up and run. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but aside, aside from legends and a man named Stingy Jack, this fun tradition of pumpkin carving started back in the 1800s when people left England and Ireland to come to America. They brought all of their Halloween traditions with them, but instead of carving turnips like they did previously, they made their Halloween lanterns out of pumpkins. After all, pumpkins grow quite well in America during autumn, so they made do with what they had. And honestly, they learned that pumpkins were softer and much easier to carve than the hard turnips they were used to. That turnips, makes perfect sense. Yeah, it does. Turnips were used because they were harvested around the same time in, um, of the year in England. I can't imagine carving a turnip. I mean, they're small. I had to actually Google. I was like, that's a small onion thing, right? And it was. <laughs> it's like a radish, but yeah. not. Yeah. You need a tiny little squirrel knife for that. Yeah. <laughs> Another tradition I love is going trick-or-treating. Um, but I know we talked about it in your prior episode. I kind of missed out on trick-or-treating because I grew up in the country and we didn't have any neighbors around us. So my mom would load us up in the minivan. I also have some siblings. I have four of them, at least. And we would go to Salem, Indiana, not oh. Massachusetts. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> we you have holding out on me. <laughs> no. And we had like five houses that my mom approved that we could get candy from, one being my grandparents and the other ones being their teacher friends. I know what you mean about like who had the good candy, the king size candy, and who would jokingly give us the can of soup. Uh, you know, who, you know who you are for listening to this. I have not forgotten. It is, I'm not it gonna is say still your name, in but, her pantry. Yeah, still <laughs> in my pantry. Okay, but I got to know at least what has been your favorite Halloween costume. I had way better costumes as adults. As a kid, I did the same thing almost every year. I was just a stupid little mouse that got handed down from my sister. Wait, that's so – I can totally see you being a little mouse, so that's adorable. I was that, and then as a toddler, I was a ladybug. I have photographic evidence. Maybe we should put up our old Halloween photos. We need to. I want, I want to see all of our Scary Squad's Halloween costumes. Oh, that's a great idea. And we'll repost Everyone. them. Yeah. Yeah. Send them in. We'll do a whole slideshow of your guys' child or adult, if they're appropriate, <laughs> Halloween <laughs> costumes. My favorite one from my childhood was one year I was the Invisible Man. 
I wanted to be something like way too inappropriate. And my mom was like, it's cold outside. What if you go as the invisible man? And I was like, that's so cool. And I took bandages, like those stretchy tan cloth bandages. Ace bandages? Ace bandages. And I like wrapped my arms in my face and I had sunglasses. I look like a little boy because I had my hat pulled up. (laughs) And I'm going to post a picture. And in all these pictures, I'm just standing there like, Thinking I was so cool. Also, shout out to my mom for like convincing me not to wear the cold little frilly dress because it was, it's obviously cold in October. Right. Have you seen that TikTok trend where everyone's posting pictures of them with like ballerina outfits and like the turtleneck? Annie. Oh, you're not on TikTok. I am trying. I'm trying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make an appearance soon. I will be on the tickety talk. I can't wait. Going back to Halloween traditions, it's said that people wear costumes on Halloween in order to avoid being terrorized by all the evil spirits walking the earth during this festival, Solon. Um, And like I said, everything's tied back to that, it seems like. The Celts donned disguises so that they would not be mistaken for spirits themselves and they'd be left alone. And now that kind of mindset comes from a lot of different cultures. You dress up on Halloween so that no one knows who you are. Whenever those spirits cross over... They don't like put a face to you because a lot of them, I think, are relatives, good or bad, like I said previously. But, you know, you don't want Aunt Aunt Joey to recognize you. It's like, no, I'm a werewolf. I'm a werewolf. Okay. <laughs> I love how you say that. <laughs> I'm talking about werewolves in a second. <laughs> That's so cute. You say werewolf. How do you say it? A werewolf. Werewolf. Oh. I got to get like more throaty with that. Like you were no, in the beginning it. of the it's episode. So there are many, many theories and a lot of debate around the origins of trick-or-treating. But here are a few theories. In England, back in 1000 AD, poor people would visit the houses of wealthier families and receive pastries called soul cakes in exchange for a promise to pray for the souls of the homeowner's dead relatives. This was known as souling. The practice was later taken up by children who would go from door to door asking for gifts such as food, money, and ale, which is beer. Kind of funny. Kids are asking for beer? Asking for beer. Get rowdy. In Scotland and Ireland, young people took part in a tradition called guising. They would dress up in costumes and they would accept offerings from various households. Rather than pledging to pray for the dead, they would sing a song, recite a poem, tell a joke, or perform another sort of, you know, trick before collecting their treat, which typically consisted of fruits, nuts, or coins. I think that is so cute. They're having a whole talent show. Super cute. I love that's kind of where the trick part came from. Like, I think of tricks as like being naughty pranks, but this is kind of cute. Like, do you want me to sing for you or recite poetry? Let me do a trick, then I get my treat. In the UK, kids would purposely misbehave on Halloween. In Yorkshire, which is northern England, it used to be called Mischief Night. Mischief Night? (laughs) Mischief Night. That is a pretty cute name. This involved dressing up in disguises and costumes and knocking on the doors of neighbors, making ghostly noises, and then running away. (laughs) These kids would carry glowing lanterns while making their mischief. I would scream if anyone did that to me, so no mischief, please. But I think that is a really cute idea, though. It is cute. What is it called? Like doorbell dashing? Ding dong ditch, isn't it? I don't know. We grew up in such small town. I know. I never had a doorbell. I had a knock. It was like, knock, knock. Our door's usually unlocked. Okay, come on in. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, mom, lock your doors. No, just saying. In the U.S., trick-or-treating actually became popular during the Great Depression when immigrants came to America and brought their traditions with them. 
While Halloween was known as a time when pranksters were running rampant, it was also a time for kids to collect treats. Kids would ask trick-or-treat when they called on the homes, giving the homeowners a choice. Since no one wanted to be pranked, candy and other sweets were handed out. These treats ranged from homemade goodies like popcorn balls and baked goods to peppermints and lemon drops. Going back to your pixie stick story, this wouldn't fly anymore. We don't take homemade treats. No, we absolutely do not. But during the times, I mean, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. From that time onwards, trick-or-treating spread all over the U.S., during World War II, trick-or-treating suffered a downturn due to sugar rationing. There just weren't many treats to get out. But after the war, the tradition came roaring back, and now it's impossible to imagine a Halloween without trick-or-treating. Can you guess annually how much money just Americans alone spend on Halloween candy? On just candy, not just costumes candy. or anything. Well, hang on. That is including costumes. Like, on the just holiday Halloween in general. festivities. Yeah. And carrying-ons. Um, in one year. Okay. I'm going to guess. There's a lot of people. I'm going to guess $50 million. Hmm. $6 billion with a oh, B. Oh, I was off a little bit. Yeah, a lot. This actually makes it the country's second largest commercial holiday after Christmas. I had no idea about that. Me either. I would think it would be Thanksgiving or Easter. Valentine's Day. Oh, or Valentine. Yeah, because those are some expensive gifts. And everyone gets suckered into buying stuff. Uh, I love Valentine's Day. I'm not a hater. But I do expect flowers and chocolate and maybe some jewelry. <laughs> so I'm like Valentine's Day poster girl. I'm just looking for a Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be your Valentine. I'll Thank be your Valentine you. this year. <laughs> that is crazy. Six billion? And actually another source said eight billion. But I found more people saying six billion. I was like, two billion? That's a really big gap. That's a ton of money, though. But think about the candy. I mean, I go ham for candy. Last year, I had like no trick-or-treaters and I bought so much good candy and I was really upset. So this year, like I decorated my porch all out. I'm going to sit on my stoop and be like, I got the good stuff. Come. I don't know if I'm going to have trick-or-treaters in my area, but I, yeah, I'm the same. I feel like kids are going to judge me based on my candy purchases. They will. So I'm not going to get Tootsie Rolls and that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm a full candy bar girl. I'll also judge you if you get shitty candy, just letting you know. (laughs) Okay, fine. It's your teeth that will rot, Annie, okay? (laughs) Another part of Halloween, which we talked about a little bit, are the witches. We talked about Hocus Pocus, which, like I said, is a terrifying movie. But America's witch scare actually accumulated from the infamous Salem witch trials, which I'm talking about in a few weeks. It's going to be a really deep episode about, like, how it got started all the key players and just why people were so afraid of this notion of bells and curses and all that kind of thing. Um, The Salem Witch Trials took place in Massachusetts in a really strict religious colony called the Massachusetts Bay Colony back in the 1600s. I call it a mass murder event because honestly, that's kind of what it was. Mm -hmm. But it started this fear of witchcraft, spells, cursings, all that kind of stuff. And when you look back to the origins of Halloween, back to that Samhain festival where the dead could come over to the earth, which is kind of fit right in with that. What's super interesting that I read is that many young women believed that because this veil to the other world was open, Halloween was the best day for divination, and they would often seek out fortune tellers to find out the names of their future husbands. <laughs> like, I just love that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, Annie, we should get our fortunes told. I want to do fortunes. I love doing tarot cards. Let's do okay. it. 
I love that idea. I'm really excited that you're doing the Salem Witch Trials. I didn't know how big of an episode it was going to be, but like it started off with two girls who like led this posse and they got them all to basically make this pact. And they were like the two main Don't characters. Give too much away. I won't. I won't. But the two main characters were nine and 11 years old. But also the reasoning behind like their symptoms is really interesting as well. That's all I'm going to say. It's going to be a good episode. I'm very excited about that. Mm -hmm. that. You know me. I love a history lesson. For sure. I was thinking about you actually while I was researching. I was like, oh, Elise would love this. But what does a witch always have nearby? A broomstick. A broom. And brooms weren't initially meant for flying or like anything to be associated with witches. In Celtic times, they had a much more mundane purpose. They were used to clean an area before a healing ritual could be performed, typically by women who had these quote-unquote healing powers. That's how brooms became associated with witches. Aside from brooms, witches also have a feline by their ankles, uh, a black cat. A bruise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is like a little bruise. The idea of being spooked by black cats dates back to the Middle Ages when cats were considered a symbol of the devil. It also didn't oh. help that centuries later, accused witches were often found to have cats, specifically black ones. Weren't they called something? They were they called, were called the... a familiar. Yeah. Which is a supernatural entity that would assist in the practice of dark magic and black cats and spookiness have been linked ever since. The familiar, which I think is really interesting. I personally always like I love black cats and they think they're so pretty. But I'm not going to lie, if I ever see one on a walk, I do tend to, like, move a little faster. Yeah, you don't want to necessarily see one in the alleyway. I get that. I There's just so much folklore. Plus, we grew up in the time of, like, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and that creepy robotic cat. Yes, I started watching Charmed, which I've never seen. Have you seen it? No. It's about three sisters who become witches after living in their, um, I think it's their grandma's house. I just started it. It's really good, like a cheesy, I think it's a 90s show. I put it on and like I just laugh at how bad the magic is. Oh, but it's, sure. it's a really good lighthearted show. Has some really awesome actresses in it, but they have a cat as well who like kind of leads them and is supposed to be helping them. I really like it. I just think the black cats and witches and brooms are like one of my favorite parts of Halloween. Another thing that has always interested me are werewolves. I was hashtag Team Jacob growing up. What? Yes. The thought of a man turning into a wolf got me flustered. Okay. <laughs> Not I lie. was team Edward, but that is maybe because I was a little toxic and drawn to toxic <laughs> men because I think Jacob was the healthier choice. He totally was. He was like the more, I don't know. I felt like he was just, I mean, obviously he was warmer than Edward because Edward was dead and sparkly and white and cold. But I don't know. I was always just drawn to Jacob. I also prefer brunettes. I guess Edward was kind of a redhead brunette. I don't know. I feel like you just kind of shamed my people. Are <laughs> <laughs> oh, you my favorite redhead, though? <laughs> oh, it's all right. Gingers can't win them all. <laughs> the idea of werewolves go back to the ancient Greeks. So we're back to a totally different, you know, culture and kind of that set of traditions. Men who turned into wolves appear in battle accounts written by Greek historian Herodotus, I think that's how you say it, as well as in other works by various Roman writers. One Greek myth says that a man named Lycaon was turned into a wolf by the gods as a punishment for trying to trick the god Zeus into eating human flesh. Well, why, why was he trying to make Zeus into a cannibal? My guess is jealousy. 
Zeus was like the shit. He was the god. Yeah, top of the tower. Or the and mountain, I, 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 I don't even know how to say Lycaon. Like, he's a nobody. He was a cannibal. The term werewolf or man-wolf was created by the Norse people. It was once believed that a warrior could improve his ferocity by donning a wolfskin belt and taking on the spirit of the wolf, while people in parts of Western Europe said that anyone could transform into a wolf by sleeping out under the full moon on certain days of the year. Give me a sleeping bag. I'm going to try this. I don't know. That's a lot of shaving to do. <laughs> I, no, thank you. I'm in my 30s. I already have to like pluck my chin every once in a while. I don't want to have to do a full body that shave so every fair. day. <laughs> and I don't know if women can become werewolves. I mean. We don't get anything. Cool. I know. Jeez. In other parts of the world, being a werewolf is seen as an affliction brought on by a pact with the devil divine punishment, or people who just had the misfortune to be born that way. So I don't know. I think werewolves everywhere kind of frowned upon. But I do have this one cool legend I want to tell you about. One of the alleged werewolf sightings and trials is honestly one of the most terrifying and true accounts, supposedly, occurred in France in the 16th century. Gilles Garner, later known as the werewolf of Dole, was a recluse who lived on the outskirts of the town Dole. When he married, he moved his wife into his home in the woods away from society. Before too long, Giles learned how difficult it was to feed both he and his wife. These were some hard times. Around the same time, children began to go missing. A few were found with their flesh torn from their legs and stomach. Eventually, while a group of travelers passed the hermit's home, Giles was caught in his home with the body of a child corpse. The group claimed that in the dim light, of this recluse's home, Giles did not look like an ordinary man. They claimed he had the shape of a wolf. During his testimony, he claimed a ghost approached him in the woods, promising an easier hunt to feed him and his wife. How? By morphing into a wolf during his hunts. He was guilty of murdering at least four children, mostly devouring them on the spot and sometimes saving a limb or two for his wife. The cannibal serial killer was burned at the stake for crimes of witchcraft and cannibalism. I a serial killer we never heard, heard of. I no, know. I've certainly never heard of that. But also, so he testified that, yes, this is true. He ate it. Like, he confessed. Yeah. He said that a ghost approached him and was like, do you want to, you know, he he understood it's a hard time. It's hard to get food. The best way for you to get food is actually if you transform into a wolf and become a creature. So supposedly, Jills was like, sure, let's do it. But then he ended up taking children and killing them. That is unbelievably creepy. Like, if you're a wolf, why don't you just go after wolfy things like rabbits and maybe right, be normal or something? Come on. Ugh. I hate everything about that, actually. And even though, you know, I'm not saying I, I believe in werewolves, but I think a lot of these legends, they do have some source of truth. I can totally see this recluse and his wife living in the woods, and I can totally see him kidnapping and killing children and probably eating them. Um, also, shame on you for only giving your wife one limb. <laughs> She's probably hungry, too. I don't, if that's my husband, no, just stay out in the woods, you <laughs> creep. But I always wonder, because you're covering the witch trials, and anyone who's even remotely familiar with that or had to read part of that in, you know, high school history, mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of people that made up a lot of bullshit for self-serving purposes or if someone didn't really fit in. Mm -hmm. And isn't there, I'm trying to think back to what it was called, in like circuses and stuff, like people that had just crazy amounts of body hair it's like a 
genetic thing. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah. That I wonder if like if he hadn't confessed when before that part, but then you don't like why did he confess? Because a lot of witches confessed that they were witches that weren't just because right. they were under duress. Maybe he was just a hairy man just out in the woods living his best little recluse life with his wife who liked to braid his hair. I'm, I'm going to hope yeah. that that's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this happened so long ago and like we all know that stories and legends and myths, they get twisted every decade. Like you said it perfectly in the first episode of Spooky Season that things always change based upon who's telling the story. Like what I'm telling right now, I grabbed from, you know, the internet, which for stuff like this, it's as reliable as, as it can be. <laughs> right. So it's, yeah, it's always interesting. I had never heard about a cannibal werewolf of mm-hmm. all things. This world is weird. <laughs> yeah. Shifting from werewolves and scary things, the typical colors of Halloween, black and orange, trace back to Celtic heritage. Celts believed that the death of summer was represented by black, while the orange symbolized the autumn harvest season. To that, I say, where's the purple? I feel like yeah. purple is a standard Halloween color. Me too. Well, our logo, Case of Sunday Scaries, has purple in it. <laughs> yeah, and the Halloween goodies that you got me, like the towels, the candle, the little skull plug-in. They yeah, have purple, and purple. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Did you ever have, like, fall festivals growing up as a kid? My mom really loves Jesus. I'm surprised you're able to celebrate Halloween, because I feel like some people think it's, like, they we, the devil. We did and we didn't. Like, we did, like, the school stuff. Um I remember us doing like as I got a little bit older and like could actually remember Halloween. We certainly went trick or treating. I remember doing that, but then it became like we'd go trick or treating at the church, and there was like different little stands mm-hmm. put up, and it was fun. Don't get me wrong. Um, plus, you know, Alaska's a little cold at the end of October, so it was probably safer and more yeah. comfortable for the parents. But we had like a big gymnasium at our church, and we would have a like, fall festival, but. We just didn't call it Halloween, but it was on Halloween. Yeah. Like I'm picturing the pie walk or the cake walk. Oh, the cake walk. I love that. I still love a good cake walk. Oh, yeah. I, we used to do our own cake walk. Me and I me get hyped for a cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> and all the really fun traditions like pumpkin carving and pumpkin painting. And one of my favorites was bobbing for apples. Oh, no. See, that terrified me. I was so good at it. It's like waterboarding yourself. <laughs> Or maybe I do it wrong. <laughs> well, when you think of it like that, it is kind of weird. But I feel like the game of bobbing for apples has been a staple of Halloween parties for years. But its origins are rooted in love and romance, which is new. What? This ga- yeah. This game traces back to a courting ritual that was part of a Roman festival honoring, this is a Greek god, her name is Pomona, and she was the goddess of fruit and trees. It is said that young people would try and bite into apples, either floating in water or hanging from a string if you weren't going into the water like Elise hates. And it was thought that the first person to bite into an apple would be the next person to get married. Oh, it's like catching the bouquet. Yeah. So, like, all the girls would race? Or, like, is this a boy and girl I think they would get, like, one turn where you get, you know, five seconds. Because mine was always timed. It's like, okay, you have ten seconds trying to grab it. I I always grabbed it. I will literally hold my breath for as long as I can this nasty bucket of water annie's trying to tell us all that she has mouth skills (laughs) (laughs) okay this is not kid friendly i don't know why (laughs) i can cut that part out i just had to say no that's hilarious (laughs) got some chompers watch out yeah i don't think i did it right i'd arch it so hard that i would end up with like water into my sinuses in my ear holes I didn't like any of it, and then I opened my mouth. I've, no, it's waterboarding. <laughs> I'll take a bite from an apple hanging from a string, sure. 
Like a little pinata, just yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the bobbing for apples kind of segues into one of my least favorite holiday Halloween treats: candy apples. Are you a fan? I like caramel apples. They're hard to eat. I feel like on the stick, unless they're cut up nicely, it just oh gets yeah, messy. I can't eat them on a stick. I have veneers. My teeth would pop off. <laughs> look like a jack-o'-lantern wait we're gonna go live and we're gonna live stream you eating a candy apple on a stick no absolutely (laughs) not my dentist would absolutely kill me i invested good hard-earned dollars on these chompers i'm keeping them just as they are and i will slice my caramels with a knife (laughs) i support that i support that but it, it is believed that candy apples were invented accidentally in 1908 by a guy named william w kolb who was a candy maker in new york new jersey as the story goes, William was experimenting with red cinnamon candy to sell at Christmas time, and he dipped apples on a stick into the red glaze and put them in his shop window to showcase his new candy. But instead of selling the candies, he ended up selling the apples to customers who thought they looked good enough to eat. So his vision was like the you know the really pretty windows they have, and it wasn't meant to be an edible apple, but people were like, "Hey, can I have that apple in the window?" He was like, oh. "Okay, sure." So they became fashionable treats for Halloween starting in the early 1900s, and they remained popular up until the 1970s. I think they're popular now, but they were probably way more popular back then. I feel like they're more popular around like fairs and stuff now than they are Halloween. So true. I do like the ones where they have like the M&Ms on them and like the caramel drizzle, like all that kind of stuff. But them on a stick was always just so hard for me to eat. That's very fair. But you know what I actually love more than a caramel apple is a caramel apple lollipop do you remember those things those are so good the green ones yes the green and then you have to like dig for the one that had the most caramel on them and they like make your teeth stick together for like a week absolutely terrible for your teeth (laughs) but absolutely one of my favorite candies has ever come out okay what's your least favorite candy around the holidays i'm literally giving you a hint around the candy corn candied wax (laughs) yes that is the worst or peeps but both are equally bad let's talk about candy corn A candy maker at the Wonderly Candy Company in Philadelphia is sometimes credited with inventing the tricolor candy back in the 1880s. Well, that explains everything. Right. No flavor. (laughs) Had to last a long time. But candy corn did not become a widespread sensation up until the Gold's Company brought the candy to the masses in 1898. Candy corn was originally called chicken feet, and it was sold in boxes with the slogan, something worth crowing for. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done with this podcast. I quit. Something worth crowing for? I love a good pun, but that's going too far. Oh, wow. Initially, it was just an autumn candy because of the corn's association with harvest time, but it later became Halloween-specific when trick-or-treating grew in popularity, you know, back in the 1950s. So... I, do, I hate candy corn. I think it's really pretty, but I'm only going to see chicken feet whenever I look at it. Absolutely. Do you know there's another very, very popular true crime podcast? And they, one year, I just, this stuck out to me. They make candy corn that has Thanksgiving flavors and like gross, like mashed potatoes. They have like oh. tailgating candy corn that is like That's hamburger and hot dog candy corn. <laughs> I'm going to buy all of them. <laughs> It's like the jelly beans that are like booger flavored. Oh, yeah. It's like, is it booger or green apple? 
That's bugger. It's a bad game to play, but I'll play. I'll take my chances. Okay, ending on least favorite candy, obviously. What's your, whenever you see it in your trick-or-treating bag, what candy are you just like, I hit it. This is it. You're going to laugh at me. Oh, no. Do you remember the blue and, like, yellow Tootsie Rolls? The ones that were, like, vanilla and lemon? Yeah. I'm a hundred-year-old lady, okay? I like butterscotches and flavored Tootsie Rolls, not the chocolate ones. I'm going to just be quiet now. <laughs> I bet you like those little strawberry-wrapped Heck yes, I did. They were crunchy on the outside and soft <laughs> on the inside. What more could you want? <laughs> Werther's are actually my favorite. <laughs> my podcast host is 100 years old, ladies and gentlemen. Or maybe I'm a witch. Oh. Yeah, you're not aging, so that probably could be it. Again, it's just the Botox. <laughs> Don't tell your secrets. <laughs> my favorite candy ever to get as a kid was like the individually wrapped sour straws, the oh, blue ones. Yeah. Like I saw those. I would give up like 10 Reese cups for those. And my brother always had leverage over With my head. With the sugar on the outside? Is that every time? So oh, good. those are good. And they were like red, yellow, green, and blue. Mm-hmm. And the blue ones were my favorite. The sour punch straws. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, sour punch. Oh, yeah. I'll still go those at a gas station any day of the week. <sighs> so good. But that's it. That's kind of my episode on traditions and, and witches and brooms and all the fun things. This was so interesting. I, like I said, I knew none of this. I, I just, didn't either. I knew some of the like religious part of it. Like I knew about All Hallows Eve mm-hmm. and All Saints Day, but I didn't know about any of the rest of this. So I, thanks for taking this. It's been a fun episode. Right? I just, I lots think of it's, giggles. Yeah. It's a nice little change up from our usual ones, which honestly, like. It's kind of always nice to have that little break. But what are we talking about next? You want to give a little teaser? It's a very self-involved episode. Okay. I don't know what this is. It's well, like a guessing because game. you are not involved. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. It is. And you talked a little bit about the history of Halloween. Mm-hmm. But it got me thinking as someone who has learned in their adult years to embrace their ginger hair. There is a lot of mythology and history and some kind of spooky, ooky stories. So we're going to go through the religious and the historical and the mythological history of redheads. I am so excited. not only – I'll just drop this hint. Not only does it have to do with witches and all the things that you talked about today, but it is thought that maybe there's a redhead – that is very close to Lucifer himself. So we are starting truly at what religious people believe is the beginning of time, and we are going to present time, and it is all about redheads. So for my redhead folks out there, this episode is for you. Unfortunately, we were not treated that well. So (laughs) proceed with caution, but it is pretty interesting. So where did Little Mermaid come from? Why did she have red hair? What about like all these like gingers have no souls? We're talking about all of it and we'll see if you think that we have souls by the end of it. Well, Annie, thank you so much for all the laughs. Honestly, my cheeks hurt, my belly hurts. So (sighs) it came to an end. But you guys, we have so much fun stuff coming out. Obviously, some of the episodes will be a little bit more lighthearted like this one was. We'll share some laughs with you guys, but please don't forget to follow us at A Case of the Sunday Scares on Instagram and send in your kids' Halloween costume, your dog's Halloween costume, 
you as a child. Those are always funny. And and when you send them in, make sure to let us know if we can share them or not. Mm-hmm. And let's just do a Scary Squad Halloween slideshow. And I will be sure to sh- find pictures of me with my ladybug and my and mouse I'll, ears. And I'll share my invisible man. <laughs> I am so excited to see you. I just picture you looking very stoic and proud of yourself. Well, you can't even tell it's me. Like I said, I'm fully wrapped in bandages <laughs> with sunglasses on and like my brother's coat and like some weird looking Nikes. <laughs> Some well, new balances. <laughs> of course, new balances. Awesome. Well, you guys, as always, we love having you here. Join us later on this week when we bring you the history of redheads. But until then. <laughs>